Good day, everyone. Uh, today's podcast is with uh, Michael Klieger. He is the CEO of MyTheresa, which is arguably the single most successful luxury e-commerce uh, platform in the business. And um, we're going to talk to him about his company, his personal career, and uh, how he sees the future of the industry. Good morning. Good morning, and thanks for having me. Um, okay. Tell us about MyTheresa. What is the specific business model that separates you from your rivals? I think the most important thing that separates us, and then you can go into endless details, is our customer focus in terms of which customer we focus on. In, in very rough terms, in the world of luxury, you have two types of customers, to be very broad brush. There's one type which we may call the aspirational or one-time customer. They 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 love this one bag. They love this one pair of sneakers. They buy it. They buy a luxury item, but it is maybe the one luxury item they buy in a year, in two years, in three years. And at the other end of the spectrum, there are wardrobe builders. They live a lifestyle which has them buy luxury constantly for their vacation, for their office, for their festivities. They are in jobs where you represent something. And so they are wardrobe builders. We call them wardrobe builders. And we focus on those. These are people that don't look for a specific brand. They look for inspiration. They obviously have a certain set of brands that they aspire. And so this type of customer has ongoing, let's call them luxury needs. And that ongoing luxury needs makes them high spending and 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 that in the end results into how we do the business but also why we are financially successful but that's the key point we focus on multi-brand wardrobe builders in our business you uh work with a very specific edit with prestigious brands how does that operate who makes those decisions i mean again the type of customer that I just described is clearly defined throughout the company. Mm. So we are building and our buying team, who in the end make the decision, how many brands, which brands, what products, they buy for this type of customer. And so if this customer says, oh, I have this wedding coming up, mm. I want, I need a floral dress, what will serve this customer in that need? And obviously, it's not serving that customer to say, yeah, sure, we have 1,000 floral dresses from 200 euros to 3,000 euros. That's not what she wants. She wants to look at a well-curated set of, show me 60. Show me 60 floral dresses of brands that I would consider luxury brands. So we don't start at 200. And that is always in our mind, what serves that customer. And if if you if you don't have a specific product or brand in your mind, you look for inspiration. Inspiration only works if you edit, if you curate. Looking at 1000 things is not inspiring. It is mm. actually, it puts you off. Only showing you one is not inspiration, but there's, it's an edited curation. And that's what the buying team knows very well. And the, the very important one, everyone in our company has a pretty good understanding who we are serving, who we are buying for, and and they decide in the end. 
One of the principal uh, sources of power of big tech in the internet in any e-commerce business is data. How do you use data to attract customers and to maintain their loyalty? We use data in, 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 in many different places, but I also have to clearly say, and in many different places, we use intuition and experience. Yes. So it is, it is art and science, and I believe it will remain art and science. And so good examples of where we use data is that any customer that buys for the first time of my Teresa, or even any visitor that comes to the website, we have models that give a predictive lifetime value to that traffic, to that first-time buyer. We say, based on how that IP address was looking at the website, based on that type of product, our algo estimates that's a high lifetime value customer, that's a low lifetime value customer. Oh, wow. And that is very important because it drives then how do we follow up, what do we do for that customer. But if our buyers come into a showroom, in luxury, 80% of what's in the showroom was not there last season. And so while AI can support them in what should be the, what should be the heel heights, what should be the size run, mm -hmm. what type of materials, whether that certain new look, certain new pattern will work or not, I fully rely on the expertise and experience of our buying team and not on data. Uh, my Teresa began life as a, uh, a sophisticated boutique in Munich. Correct. Uh, like quite a lot of uh, e-commerce businesses, especially in Italy, we've seen that. Um, but then grew into a platform. Why was it able? I mean, there, are, there's Maria, uh, uh, Luisa Via Roma. There, there's a series of them in Italy and Sicily and Palermo and Bologna that have grown into decent businesses. But why is yours so much bigger than all those that had a similar path? That's a tough question. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm very happy that we have been able to do that. I mean, I, I joined the business in, in 2015 and yeah. we were already nice, sizable company of, 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 of sort of 100 million in revenue. I think it comes back to what I actually originally mentioned. We are, we are in a way very focused. We, 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 we pick that customer and we did not deviate. We, we resisted the desire, oh, let's add more brands because yeah. it will mean more revenue. Yeah, yeah. It's a fallacy. More is not more. And, and, and it's interesting how, how, how many people still believe in that. It's less is more. We want to grow. We want to have many, many more customers, but of the same type. I, I don't want to sell product that will attract a different customer. I want to sell product that attracts the same customer. Of course, I want a higher share of their wallet. I want to have customers that have not heard of us in certain geographies come on board. But it is, and I think in the end, retail, you have to, you have to def sort of combat complexity. Um, and, and, and a clear focus on a certain type of customer is the starting point of every discussion in our, in our company. And I think good people, smart decisions, all of that, you need a lot to be successful. But I think 
the secret sauce, the, the, the starting point is this customer focus. What, what, what sort of revenue have you grown to now? What is your annual revenue? What was it last year? So last fiscal year, we closed with 750 million uh, GMV, um, which is an amazing number. I think uh, we are very proud, of course, that we achieved that with stable gross margin, which mm -hmm. everyone in the industry knows. Yeah. We didn't go the discount route to get there. Mm. Um, and we are very proud that as of second year, our customer cohorts have 100% revenue retention. So we build up a customer cohort. We have loyal customers. Yeah. We have high spending customers. And I think that is, whether it's 750 or a billion, mm. If it's a revolving door business, mm. it is gone next year. Mm. If you have loyal customers that love what you do, mm. and I on purpose use the word love and not like, <laughs> that's what we're very proud of. Um, because uh, several of the big e-commerce luxury or fashion groups, uh, most notably Net-a-Porter, Farfetch'd, have had difficulties making profit on what they're doing. There's a, a, a school of thought that the long-term prognosis for that industry is darker than it once was, than a couple of years ago. What's your thinking about that? I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we exist? Because there are customers out there that want luxury, that like the products, yeah. but love to do it in a more convenient way. I mean, we solve for time. It's not that our customers say, oh, I don't like to go to the Avenue Montaigne or yeah, to yeah, Bond yeah. Street. No, but they're working professionals. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they realize Tuesday night at 10, oh my God, I have this thing coming up on Saturday. Yeah. We solve for that problem. And that is an increasing need. There are more and more customers that live that lifestyle. I mean, I, I, I have not seen a single statistic where people said, yeah, yeah, I have more time than last year. No, every year people feel they have less time. True or not, they feel it. And we solve for that. So I think we have a very bright future, not because of we wanting it or because of technology. It's a customer need. I mean, the customer drives this in the end. And so uh, if we do stupid things, we will fail but there is a clear need and a clear uh, desire for what we do. Um, the, uh, despite its recent current difficulties with um, exiting the pandemic, China is the, the great market of the 21st century. What is my Teresa doing there? I mean, no question. I mean, regardless of how you look at it, oh. about half of the luxury consumption sits with Chinese consumers. And so oh. it, it, it is it is oh. a consumer base slash a market that, that defines luxury. Oh. We are present in China since uh, 1917. We have a Chinese website. We have a team. We have a team in Shanghai. Oh. Uh, we, 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 are, we have a wholly foreign-owned entity there. Oh. Interesting enough, we do in China at heart the same that we do everywhere else. Mm. We focus on wardrobe builders. Mm. So um, we and our business, oh. Ready to Wear, has about 50% of our business. Mm. And so we also focus in China, which from the outside often is viewed as an accessory play, only mm. bags and mm. shoes. And mm. it is, of course, 
significant what you can do in that. But we focus on wardrobe builders. And the interesting part about the Chinese consumer is not only their spending power, but the speed, how they evolve, how quickly they moved from logo iconic hunter to real aesthetics to real mm. style. We have amazing, sophisticated clients in China. And if we, when we, I mean, we haven't done an events, unfortunately, for some time now because of the pandemic, but in previous times, I mean, our clients come in Alaya, come in, uh, in, 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 in Tom Brown and Tom Ford. I mean, they, they really love the aesthetics and, and, and that's the client base we focus on in China. And, and we have seen good growth and we continue to see good growth. If I understood things rightly, my Teresa buys collections outright uh, or, and then you retail them or you e-tail them uh, rather than acts as a, uh, a department store, not a modern department store where you just, you know, you're just buying real estate from the department store. Uh, is, is that your essential business model? And is that changing? I mean, in, as a majority, we still do exactly yeah. what you described. Wholesale, yeah. we yeah. buy on our yeah. on our terms and yeah. sell on our terms. Yeah. Um, we have evolved our business model. So with some brands, we actually don't own the inventory that we sell. Mm. I think what is very important, whether we own the inventory or not, is is financially and, and business-wise very important. The customer doesn't care. What they do care is curation and inspiration. So what is very important for us, regardless of whether we own the inventory or not, mm. we curate. So we, we, we don't believe in the marketplace model. Mm. Not that this is not a successful business, but we yeah. don't believe in it because that's not good for the customers we serve. We need inspiration. Yeah. But we have today about 20% of our business is done with, with inventory that we don't own. Okay. Okay, um, is there there's still a Maitreza book in boutique in Munich? It, we still have that boutique. We actually have a women's wear boutique and a men's wear boutique oh, okay. in Munich. Yeah. So you have a bricks and mortar component. It's 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 emotionally very big. Financially, it's small. <laughs> <laughs> but do you? Is it important for the future that that you maintain that just to get that sensitivity of direct being a retailer in the old fashioned bricks and mortar way? It is, I mean, I cannot see any reason why we will give up our store in Munich, yeah, or yeah. our two stores. It is, it is, this is where the business was founded. Yeah. It is a profitable business. Yeah. This is not just nostalgia. It's, 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 yeah, yeah. it's, it's a good business. But I don't see us opening more stores. Yeah. I think the, the, the focus to reach our global customer base is really online. Uh, we do physical uh, touch points. We do pop-ups, we do yeah. takeovers, but those two stores will remain. We won't have more, we won't have less. Yeah, you're not about to open a Madison Avenue or Fulberg Santa or anything. Not no. really. One thing you've really uh, separates your um, e-commerce concept is these activations you do in, with brands in exotic places. Tell us um, why that's important and give us a couple of examples of uh, activations, why you like them and why they worked. So as I already mentioned, we, we do activations, we do physical touch yeah, points. Yeah. I mean, in the end, our customers are time constrained. They love the convenience, yeah. but 
We do want to also to give our best customers what we call money can buy experiences, moments in time where where they can really feel the emotion of a brand, where they can really feel what it means to be my Teresa. They are very time constrained, so saying, hey, we invite you to dinner at the Ritz, they won't come. I mean, that they can do themselves. But hey, we do an event at Capri, uh, Pucci has a new designer, Camille. Mm-hmm. We, w- we will be there. We will have uh, a fantastic time. You will meet fantastic people. Yeah. That's when they come, two yeah. days in Capri. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when, how, what is important in these events is it must be something emotional. I mean, people yeah. come, go home and, and, and still relish the vibe. And, and we had a fantastic event with Pucci and Capri. We had a, fantastic vibe with Valentino and Saint-Tropez. And it's always the combination of very nice locations, obviously, but our customers meeting other customers, it's also a form of validation. Look, I'm, mm. I'm part of the right group. I mean, these are the other customers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's, that's very important. But we also combine it sometimes with things that are unusual. We, we, we combine it with a factory tour. So you get the behind the scenes mm. opportunity. Um, but it's it's the ability to meet the designer. These are important because if you add that emotional highlight oh. in an otherwise more digital transactional relationship, then you get then you get the right mix. Because in the end, what the luxury industry does and what we as a platform do, we satisfy emotional needs. That's the core of the business. We don't sell clothes. Uh, uh. We provide emotional benefits. Um, I know part of the element of these events, I mean, Pucci and Capri, was there would be a media coverage to the thing. I mean, there were a certain amount of editors and writers invited there. Are you also looking to generate attention for the brand internationally through classic media or online media? I mean, when I described the event, I was talking because of of the people that were on the island and what they took out of it. Yes. But it is a massive amplification mm. moment. I mean, you mm. can send, and, and the world has become very visual, yeah, yeah. far less uh, text. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's pictures tell the story yeah, yeah. because also we are in a world of so- short attention spans. Yeah. So a picture can do something in five seconds. Yeah. Uh, mm. And therefore it is amplification. And therefore we, of course, use these opportunities to talk about the brand we partner, but also about My Teresa. So oh. the, the, the string of events tell the story about My Teresa. Oh. This is luxury. This is people that are beautiful, but also people that have accomplished something. And and we focus more and more on on telling the brand story. And, and My Teresa is a brand. And, and my aspiration, and I stress it's an aspiration, is that a customer buying the same product, but buying it and getting it in the My Teresa box, it feels better. <laughs> same jacket, but it comes in the yellow box. Mm. It's it feels better, and and that's our aspiration. That's the emotion we want. I I bought this on My Teresa, and thus the whole thing feels even better. I, I have to say, to your credit, having bought. Um products of quite a variety of them on different e-commerce platforms. My trees seem to be the quickest of the luxury ones. That's how do you make that happen? Hard work. <laughs> Hard work. I mean, this is I mean, this is this is interesting because yeah. 
you need to be fast, you need ja. to be reliable, you ja. need to be accurate. Ja. This is, it's like, when you go to a five-star hotel hm. and you get excellent service, the rooms hm. are beautiful, everything, ja. the customer then says, yeah, that's very good, but ja. I pay for that. Ja, ja. So if you don't do that, you have a problem. If you do it, nothing achieved. But then you add to that the very friendly concierge, hm. the person at the, at the breakfast buffet that is super nice. And then you say, why? This is great. I will come back because there was this additional emotional tie up because I mean, speed, accuracy is a hygiene. Mm. And luckily for us, you can even differentiate on hygiene. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is as good as we are, but yeah. I mean, we also sometimes are, are delayed, but I strive for then adding an additional layer so that it, it becomes even more special. But it's hard work. We operate our own warehouse. Mm. Uh, we believe that everything that we do needs to be in-house. So it's our own people in mm. the warehouse. Mm. And and we work uh, hard on the back end, on the, on the side that uh, the customer doesn't see and mm. also they don't care. Mm. They just want the package. In the last 20 years, uh, luxury brands reasonably well managed and with talented creative directors grew double digit figures you know it was a hot house condition for a long for a variety of reasons a unique period in, in luxury so it became rather easy for some of them and maybe a lot of them neglected their front office the retailer the retail contact the first time people went into stores how do your Uh, sales team interact with the important clients? Is it in Zooms, WhatsApp, email? How does that work? How do you train them to do that? I mean, the most important part is if uh, we have a team of personal shoppers that yeah. interact with our best customers. And the most important one is you need first to understand what this customer wants. There are customers that no. want the WhatsApp communication, that's uh, it. Uh, Get me this, I like this, do you uh, have a suggestion? Uh, And then of course there are customers that, can you help me? Can you come to my home? Can we uh, together look at the wardrobe? So first understand uh, what is this customer? Because we talk to a very high elite and you need to look at them as individuals. And, and so some people want 24 hour, seven days, excellent concierge service type. Yeah. Other people want advice, yeah. styling tips. Other people get very emotional. And, and that's the first very important thing. And then, and, and, and the second is um, you are sort of the, the door to the My Teresa world. You are the gateway. You represent the full company. And so you need also to take on the full load. So the, per, the, the customer will not only ask you for products, but also may ask oh, well, what happened with this package, uh, mm -hmm. what's going on with my payment. Mm -hmm. So we train them to fully understand also the operations mm -hmm. because you don't want to talk to someone says, oh, I don't know, that's a different department. Oh, yeah. You need to call somebody, yeah. Oh my God. Send that's, an email. To that's it. breakdown. No, no, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. they take full responsibility, yeah. but therefore... We not only train them no. how to be courteous, how to know about product. They actually mm -hmm. are expert also in our operations down to our IT systems. <laughs> If something goes wrong, they mm -hmm. jump into the... Because you want someone on the phone that says, actually, let me look into it. Oh, I solved it. Oh. That's a great call. And mm -hmm. not, 
Oh, I get back to you. Oh. I have to talk to oh. whomever. Okay. Um, uh, about two years ago, you were quoted on the New York stock market. Uh, I forget the exact date. January 21. January 21. In, in 21. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The stock markets worldwide had a difficult year last year in many businesses, especially internet corporations. Uh, how has the stock done? Uh the stock market has had uh, not a good time, and oh. our stock did not have a good time. So, I mean, we went out at, at sort of best point in time. Oh. In, in retrospect, that led to the fact that many people identified us on the financial side as, oh, the, they, they were pandemic uh, winners. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they came out as an e-commerce because yeah. at that time, all the home trainers, yeah. the, the home deliveries, yeah. everything, yeah. Yeah. which, of course, the pandemic is over, which is mm. luckily for us and hopefully also for our Chinese friends, it's, it's, it's soon over. Um, but therefore, we, we, we were heavily discounted. The stock came down. That's that's the stock market, as as Warren Buffett once said. The value of the company is not its stock price, but over time, the stock price will always align with the value of the company. Yeah. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about you. You were born in Munich. Tell us about your professional path and how you ended up in Mitrovica. So I, I, I was born in Munich, uh, grew up in Berlin, uh, by, by background, uh, studied business oh. in, 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 in Germany yeah. and in the US. And I, my professional life is sort of divided into two parts. One was I spent many years in consulting, mm. uh, always with, uh, with retail clients. Mm. So I, I, I served retail clients actually around the world. In, like, like who? Oh, I served uh, Metro, what, which is mm. a food retailer. Mm. I served CNA across mm. across the globe when it still had operations mm. in Asia and in, in, in the US. I served uh, DIY stores like Kingfisher, mm -hmm. uh, electricals like uh, in, in, in France called so pretty broad, Darty. Pretty very broad, broad, very broad. Okay. Not luxury. Uh, you didn't hear luxury name. No, a long way, long way away, yeah. <laughs> and, and so after my consulting stint, uh, I, I actually moved into food retail. Uh, so I, 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 I was uh, running, at that time, uh, one of Europe's largest hypermarket chains uh, across seven countries. And, and, and then, which was always for me being close to consumers. It was always, I mean, as, as, as head of the, of the stores, I, I visited in one year 300 stores across Europe. And as you go through a store, you, you, you speak to clients, you, you see how they behave, a different client base than, of course, in luxury. But then I, I made the decision that um, the future is digital, and therefore I, I switched and, and went to Accenture and then went to eBay and, and really do, really learned much more about the technological components behind the the consumer front and uh, and then I, I i was approached in 2014 that there is this company which was at that time bought by neiman marcus mm -hmm. and whether i would join that and and the key reason i wanted to join it was at that time only four percent of of global luxury was sold online oh the lowest share of any consumer sector. Uh, I mean, at that time, the discussions about can you sell 
shoes online was over because of Zappos. Can you sell clothes online was over because of Zalando. And in uh, uh. luxury, there was still a discussion. Yeah. Will people buy luxury? And I said, 4%. Well, <laughs> I'd rather join a company that operates in a growing market yeah. than, than in a stagnating market. And, uh -uh. And, and, and thus, I came from a technical consumer background, not from a luxury background. Okay. Do you, um, what advice would you give to some, you're a, a post-wall career, you know what I mean, in Germany, I always think there's a big difference, but what advice would you give to, we've many young listeners, what advice would you give them, uh, someone who wants, a teenager or a college kid, wants to get into luxury or fashion, what's, what's your three bits of advice? Ah. I mean, I think in the end, it is it is an industry based on emotions. So, so you need to do what is within your emotions. I mean, if 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 you are highly emotional about product, go the product route. Mm. Be become a designer. Become part of studio. Learn the craft. Ah. It's a craft uh, that's sometimes forgotten. It's it's not just marketing. It's a craft. If you're very emotional about customers, of, of luxury customers, go into that route. But without any emotional basis, um, don't go into luxury if you want to earn money. <laughs> you may earn a lot of money, but that that won't drive you. I mean, it's a lot of hard work. It's a long hours. So you need, if you're really about emotionally about it, product or customer-wise, then you should do it, and 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 then it will, I believe, very satisfying for you with no guaranteed success. It's like don't become an actor if you're not emotional about it, because the chances are not high. Mm -hmm. But it is a emotionally very satisfying profession. Michael Clear, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure on my side also. Thank you so much.